Well, a very warm welcome to you all tonight. It's good to be here in God's house again. And for those who are online, we hope that you will find a united place for worship with us tonight. I wonder how you have come here tonight. Whether you're young, or whether you're middle-aged, or whether you're, you're older, Let's give a few minutes thought to how we have come to Forest Fold Church here tonight. David said in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I'm sure there are many here tonight who would echo those sentiments. They were glad, delighted to go to the house of God because David knew that that's where he would meet with his God. There are some, perhaps, who cannot say those words. My prayer for them and the prayer of this church is that they will be brought to by the Holy Spirit working in their heart to feel glad to come to worship God, to know more about him and to work and praise him. I know something about some of you. I certainly don't know everything about you. But God knows the spirit that you come here tonight to worship. Our first song tonight is one about love, which is a tremendous, vast ocean that we cannot begin to fathom, we cannot begin to understand. But let us join together to sing, here is love, vast as the ocean. Yes. 
I have an apology. I'm sorry, Peter, Jenny and family, not to have welcomed you earlier, but you know that uh, we are very glad that you are able to be with us and to bring God's word to us. And You come with our prayers, as you know, and it must be a great comfort to any minister, and John, our pastor, to know that week by week he comes to a praying people. We need to pray for our ministers. Well, Pete will be preaching from Romans chapter 15, so let's read that. I'm going to read the first 12 verses of Romans chapter 15. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbour for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a serpent, servant to be circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy, and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Well, we look forward to Pete expounding that word to us later. Shall we continue his song? There is a hope that burns within my heart. And following this, welcome will lead us in prayer.
let's uh, pray to God. And I just want to start that with um, just the first two verses in Psalm 66. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Let's pray. Great and awesome God. Lord, we come to you uh, in fear and trembling because of your great power, your almighty power, your perfect holiness. Lord, we cannot attain to any of these things. Lord, we need your help as we come before you in prayer. Lord, you have promised to be with us if we come in if we come in truth and in sincerity. Lord, we pray that might be the case with us this evening. And Lord, we think of you as a, an awesome creator and sustainer. Awesome in your uh, work of salvation too, Lord. But Lord, the the wonder of your creation. We see it from day to day. Continual reminders of your power. Lord, the wonder of the planets, planet Earth and the sun and the moon, how they are ordered. The sun being the right distance from the Earth and the Earth revolving on its axis to spread the sun across the whole surface and uh, to bring day and night. Lord, these are just too wonderful for us to grasp. But Lord, we look to you as the all-powerful God. Lord, we pray that uh, we may take the responsibility given to Adam to uh, nurture and subdue uh, the original creation in in the garden. To have dominion over it, Lord. Do give us the wisdom to do that with care and without exploitation. And Lord, in these current times of global warming and the international conference soon due, we pray that leaders, uh, international leaders, will be given wisdom um, to fulfil the the command uh, of God. Lord God, we live, however, in a fallen world. There's pain and suffering and sin. And life can be really tough. Lord, we pray for those who are in the throes of difficulties and pressures and anxieties. Lord, we pray for those with with health issues too. Perhaps feeling overwhelmed. We pray that you will draw near to them that uh, they would feel that the wonder of you being in control, that they may feel that you are their God and that underneath are the everlasting arms. And Lord, we've been thinking this week uh, about the earth and the planet earth and um, we do thank you for the, uh, the many resources that you have provided for us, particularly in this modern world. In the realm of Uh, technology and medicine. Lord, we 
we thank you for the the internet and how beneficial it is in the um, proclamation of the gospel, spreading the the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray that we may use it wisely. And Lord, in the uh, field of medicine, wonderful things uh, have been developed and invented. And Lord, we thank you for that, that there is such a good uh, National Health Service for us, but um, health in many parts of the of the world, uh, where medicine and expertise uh, is available to to help us in our daily lives, in the health of our bodies, and the um, attention to difficulties that we may experience. Lord, we would think too of your persecuted church our brothers and sisters in in other places around the world, suffering because of their faith. Lord, we would bear them before you. We would um, think of them and pray for them in their difficulties, in their pains, in their imprisonment, in their separation. Lord, we pray that uh, you would help them. Do draw near to them. May they feel... Uh, you being close to them and supporting them in their difficulties. Lord, do enable them to stand and may they, wherever they are, be a witness uh, for truth, a witness uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, although we're in this fallen world, you have provided a way of salvation. Lord, by sending your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world to save sinners. Lord, that is awesome. Lord, we pray that we may feel that again this evening, the wonder of that, that indescribable gift that you gave to save your people. Lord God, do speak to us this evening, we pray. Lord, we would think of our activities here at Forest Fold, the Sunday school that's occurred today. We bear that before you. We pray that that, that has occurred. It may be a blessing to the children that it might be a means of their um, biblical education and also to, um, to open their hearts and their souls to the wonder of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that there may be those that are uh, being convicted perhaps um, or being guided into a, a simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. Uh, Lord, we think of uh, Connect, uh, the young people's activity um, with St. Richard's. And we pray for Nigel and John and all those that help in that work. We pray there might be interest from the youngsters and that there would be another good evening this week and that uh, perhaps some parents who have hung about previously might hang about this time and hear the, the Bible message. And Lord, we do commit that into your hand and pray for your a blessing on it. Lord, we do uh, confess our sins. We are in a continual need of forgiveness. Although we know that you have uh, washed us clean, that we can uh, be sinless uh, as our status before a living God because of all that you have done. The righteousness of the Lord Jesus covers us if we are true believers. But Lord, there will be conflict in our minds and hearts uh, until the second coming. 
Lord, we pray that we may be given uh, the spirit to make right choices, to uh, flee from sin. And we're promised that if we flee from sin, Satan will flee from us. We pray that that might be a characteristic uh, of our lives. Lord, do forgive us uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ for our sin. Increase our faith, Lord. We um, heard this morning about um, faith in various uh, Old Testament characters, the humble faith of Abel, the ongoing faith of Enoch, and the active faith of Noah. Lord, be with us this evening, and as we exercise our faith, we pray that the hope that is the subject of our service this, this evening might give us that uh, joy and peace in believing in Christ. Lord, we pray that you'll be with Peter. Do help him this evening. Do uh, prepare our hearts. Give us an appetite for your word. And Lord, we pray that your name may be lifted up and honoured. In this place this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You don't have to be involved in the building industry to know how important it is to have a good foundation. And the hymn writer of our next song knew that. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I hope that each one of us will realise the necessity of a firm foundation in this life and that to come. Let's join together. You see, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest flame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. And then Pete will bring the word of God to us.
Well, it's a real joy to be here this evening uh, and to be sharing God's word. Uh, let's pray, shall we, as we uh, come to his word. Lord God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Would you speak now, we pray, through your word into our lives. We may hear your voice and see afresh the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his powerful name. Amen. Well, turn with me back to Romans uh, 15. Romans 15. And we're really looking at verse 13 tonight. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And so our theme this evening is the hope of the world. Now imagine this. Imagine you could package and dispense hope as a pill. It would be more effective than the most powerful antidepressant and more popular than the best sweets. Hope is so often the only thing between us and an abyss of despair. Think of it, when you, when you lose hope, you give up. When you have hope, you press on. And we're talking about more than wishful thinking here. We're talking about more than wishful thinking for things to get better. Real hope is the actual belief, the knowledge that things will in fact be better. And ultimately okay. No matter how big, no matter how small. And at its most powerful, hope is when you are losing or have lost everything. Or that which is most treasured, but still having reason to press on. Now imagine if you could package and dispense such hope as a pill. I mean, there's so much, isn't it, to steal our hope in this world. Our world is sad, it's broken. Michael Jackson, ironically uh, and tragically, once said, hope is such a beautiful word, but it often seems very fragile. The recent reclaiming of Afghanistan by the brutal Taliban after 20 years of Allied troops' presence, or the brutal murder of Sabina Nasser, or just this past week, Sir David Amitz. It's a reminder of, of the reality that we're so limited in suppressing evil in our world. For all our technological advances, more have died violently in the past century than every other century put together. Our pride and greed means that we are still a barbaric race. Or maybe it's, it's the climate change crisis that we're, we're entering that steals your hope and you worry for the future. Or maybe it's emerging from this unprecedented global pandemic where so many lives have been lost and where life around the globe has been exposed as being uncertain, being fragile. Or maybe today your hope feels stolen by 
personal suffering, by painful loss, shattered dreams, illness, injustice, broken relationships, betrayal, exhaustion, depression. Or maybe it's by your your personal sin and failures, addictions to porn or drink or drugs or shopping or gossip, temptations you repeatedly fall into. Now imagine, imagine if real hope for every brokenness, every sin, could be packaged and dispensed for you, for the world. Well, that's pretty much what we have here in Romans 15, verse 13. What is, what is your hope in today? I mean, really, is it in medical science to heal you? Advances in technology to protect you? Human kindness to love you, accept you, your talents, your abilities to serve you, your resources, your finances to give you security. And they're, they're all good gifts from a generous, loving God for our blessing, for our benefit, for his glory. But here's the thing. God entrusts all those to us only for a season. At some point, they come to an end. Recently, we buried one of our church family in Binscombe. Judith died after a long and a hard journey with cancer. She asked for her gravestone to be inscribed with the words of Philippians 1, verse 21. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Yesterday, an elderly couple in our congregation, John and Rachel, they celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. It wasn't quite how they planned. On Friday, John was taken into hospital, and Rachel was only able to get to be with him on their wedding anniversary because he was deemed to be end of life. We didn't see it coming. He was old and frail. I had a text from his his daughter this morning, say he'd gone home to be with Jesus. Let me, let me read to you the text that I got. And just, just hear the hope in, in John's dying words. Dad has just gone home to heaven ten minutes ago, peacefully. He said he, he wanted us to send his love to everyone at church. His last words were, How long till I go to heaven? I want to go to heaven now. And he died. I mean, they are some last words, aren't they? Having that kind of hope. Now, I, I want a hope, and I know that you and I, we both need a hope that is good for every day of our lives, but right down to that very last one, like my friend John. Hope for that moment when we take our last breath in this world. Hope that's that's real to live by and is real to die by in one of our tomorrows. And extraordinarily, this this life and this death-changing hope has been entrusted, if you like, it's been packaged to Jesus' church to be dispensed to the world. It is an amazing thing. 
Now, as we, as we emerge from this pandemic in our broken world, I want to remind us tonight, who are believers, what we're about. And if you're not a Christian here this evening, then I, please listen in and see the hope that could be yours. How significant is the Church of Jesus Christ in our world, in the UK, in Sussex, here in Crowborough? Well, according to the Bible, the local church is where the action is. Gospel churches in this town are the most significant places in Crowborough. It's there in Romans 15, verse 13. The local church is the hope of the world. This hope we have is God himself. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And this verse is just brimming with hope for you and for me. Four things about this verse. Firstly, where real hope comes from. Secondly, what real hope is. Thirdly, how real hope can be ours. And fourth, the difference that this hope really makes. Let's go through those four things. So firstly, where real hope comes from. And here's where it comes from. Hope comes from the God of hope. This isn't rocket science. Okay, it's just literally the passage here. Hope comes from the God of hope. So Romans 15, 13 is a prayer. Look at how the Apostle Paul describes God. May the God of hope. And this comes on the back of Paul urging Christians who are very different from each other to accept each other and to love each other. Because God's been merciful to them. And in fact, the whole of of Romans chapters 1 through to 11, Paul's been talking about the mercy of God in Christ. And the issue back then, it was to unite Jewish background Christians and Gentile, non-Jewish background Christians. And to make his point, Paul quotes from four Old Testament passages. I wonder if you saw that when we read just now. Four Old Testament passages to show that Jesus is the hope of both Jews and Gentiles. He's the hope of the whole world. So let's have a look at them. Verse 9. Verse 9 is a quote from King David of Israel in Psalm 1849. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. So here's God's king and he's rejoicing as he sings God's praise to the world. Verse 10 quotes Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 43. Again it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. So here we've got Moses, he's calling the whole world to join God's people in praising God. Verse 11, quote Psalm 117, verses 1 and 2. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. You see this common theme that's coming through here. Again, it's it's calling the whole world to praise God, to celebrate his love. And then lastly, verse 12, quotes Isaiah 11, verse 10. The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles 
hope. So Isaiah is prophesying the Messiah, God's king, he's going to rule the world. All peoples will put their hope in him. Now these four Old Testament quotes are a bit like saying to the 4.6 billion people in Asia, the 1.3 billion people in Africa, the 750 million people in Europe, the 580 million people in North America, the 420 million people in South America, the 42 million people in Oceania, and if there was anyone apart from penguins in Antarctica, he's saying, Jesus, God's king, is your only hope. He's the hope of the world. My guess is that many of you here tonight say, yeah, I believe that, I know that. It's the hope of the world. But I wonder how at a practical level, how, whether, whether that's how we see God. I mean, at an everyday kind of street level of our lives, the God of hope in the face of brutality, injustice in our world, in the face of climate change, emerging from COVID, in your suffering, in your sin. God of hope? Is that how you see God? Is that how you think of God? Is that how you feel about God? The Christian writer A.W. Tozer once wrote this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So the most important thing about you is it's not your education, it's not your career, it's not your bank balance or your possessions, it's not your popularity or your likes, it's not your family or your connections, or your IQ, or your talents, or your personality, or your past history, or your present circumstances, or your future dreams. It's what comes into your mind when you think about God. Why is that? Why is that so important? Well, here's why. We we live in God's world. Every single breath is from him. And when we stand before him, judgment then will be on how we related to him now. And so mistaken identity, when it comes to God, is not a mistake we want to make. I wonder if, like me, your sinful instinct is to think rather small and miserly thoughts of God that don't reflect his character, rather than big and generous thoughts of God that do reflect his character. And here's a couple of ways I think this may work out in practice. It certainly does for me. So, firstly, in my suffering. In my suffering, whilst I hope God is near, and the Bible tells me he is, in practice, well, in practice, I can live actually as though God is distant. So I'm I'm cold towards him, questioning his goodness, and frankly, often struggling to trust him. Or secondly, in my sin. Whilst I I hope he forgives, and the Bible tells me that he, he forgives all who repent and believe, I know that. In practice, when I sin, 
I can live as though he's just ready and waiting to punish. Convincing myself that he must only be able to feel deeply disappointed in me. And so I live with guilt and shame. And this is to live Michael Jackson's fragile hope. It's not, it's not surely the real hope that surely must come if we can grasp what it means for God to be the God of hope. So secondly, what real hope is? What is real hope? Well, hope comes from the God of hope. We've seen that. Here's our next thing. Who fills with joy and peace. That is what this hope looks like. It's there in the verse. Look at verse 13 again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now maybe you read verse 15 and you you really, honestly, if you're honest, you're thinking, is this this actually for real? I mean, we live in a world of, of, of terrorism and climate change and global pandemic and where in our personal lives there can be unimaginable Suffering and sin that enslaves us. Can God, the God of hope, really fill us with joy and peace? I mean, is this prayer no more than a flippant ditty? Don't worry, be happy, every little thing's going to be all right. Well, truth is that there are things that, that actually aren't all right. And, and in this life are not going to be alright. We live with scars. We live with struggle. We live with pain and sadness. But you know this prayer for God to fill us with all joy and peace is for real. And here's why. It is grounded. It is grounded in who God is. Not in who we are. It's grounded in God's good character in the God who is the God of hope. Now maybe there's times in your life where you've, you've lost hope. Maybe that's how you're feeling tonight. There's darkness, there's a hopelessness and God doesn't feel to you the God of hope. In your suffering you feel he's distant, he's not, he's not near. In your sin, you fear that he's ready to punish, not forgive. This summer, uh, we were camping in Pembrokeshire uh, with the Cowleys. And uh, one day, most of us decided to go on a 10k run. Now, it seemed a really good and heroic idea at the time, in the moment, and I was, I was kind of in there thinking, this is a chance to show that I can keep up with the young people and John, um, which is hard to do, actually. Not everyone quite made it. So, the plan was to run 5k along the Pembrokeshire coastal path in one direction to a certain point, and then back, back again. And I was one of the ones who, well, Turn back before the 5k point. But as the, the really fit ones jogged off, 
um, into the distance to the halfway point. As I checked on my sh- over my shoulder to see how much of a force lead I now had, I mean, it actually looked quite good to any onlookers. I was on my way back to the car. They were way back there. No one knew that I hadn't gone all the way. So it looked like I was out, out ahead. But as I looked back over my shoulder to see, well, it was actually hard to see if they were still running away from me to the halfway point or whether they'd reached the halfway point and were now gaining on me. Actually, they did. It was embarrassing. I, I wasn't the first back. Um, so it was hard to see which way they were going. And I, I think most of our problems with thinking right thoughts about God is that we're unclear on whether God is running away from us or running towards us. Now imagine this. Imagine the joy. Imagine the peace of knowing that God being the God of hope means this. It means that in your suffering. You think of my friend Rachel, who's a widow today. That in our suffering, God is not running away from you. Uncaring or somehow unable to cope with the depth of your pain. But towards you. To offer you comfort and hope and a future. And imagine this. Imagine that the joy and the peace of knowing that if God is the God of hope, it means this, that in your sin, God is, God is not running away from you, disgusted and disappointed, but running towards you. To offer you forgiveness, and change, and reconciliation to himself. Imagine that. How can you have such joy, such peace? Here's our third thing. How this real hope can be ours. How can this real hope be ours? So let's, let's just back up. Hope comes from the God of hope, who fills with joy and peace. Here's our third thing. As we trust in him. Look at verse 15 again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Or as you trust in him. Here's how this joy, this peace comes to us. It is in believing. As we trust in the God of hope. But if you're anything like me, we don't always find this easy, do we? It's just trusting God. And it's not just with our kind of big scale suffering and struggles with sin. Jerry Bridges in his book, Trusting God, when even when life hurts, he says, life is full of Little events, little frustrations, little anxieties, little disappointments that tempt us to fret and fume and worry. You relate to that? And he cites a a student devotional book title that captures how our little frustrations can cause us to doubt God. And it's titled, If God Loves Me, Why can't I get my locker open? Now, it's an amusing title. It kind of pictures an amusing scene in your mind. 
But Bridges points out that it is at that level of adversity, it's on that level in which many of us live our daily lives. So it's, it's when you, you just miss the bins for the bin lorry. And you run off down the road and you still miss the bins for the bin lorry and look silly in the process. Or when you've lost your keys again. Or when the washing machine breaks down. Or, or, or when you can't get to that long planned party because you, you fell ill. It's on this minor level of daily struggle that we get pretty grumpy. And given that God is sovereign over all things, we can be tempted to wonder, can I trust God? Because we've wrongly thought that that his love for us means that he'll treat us with easy days. And so when frustrations and sufferings scale up in our lives and God entrusts us with life-changing trial, we can really wonder even more, can we trust God? Is he running away from us? Or is he running towards us? And at this point, God reminds us in this verse, it's only as we trust in him that we know this joy and this peace. It's as we see clearer, as we trust that he has already run towards us in the Lord Jesus Christ, in our suffering. He sent his one and only son into our broken world. God has drawn near to us in Christ. He knows what it is to suffer. And extraordinarily, his suffering was for us. Chapters 1 through to 11 in Rome has been all about that. The work of Christ at the cross, where he died in the place of all who will trust him. There he was willingly forsaken by God the Father, taking our punishment so that we don't have to. And then he rose from the dead, that we might have eternal hope in the face of death. Life with him forever. Such is God's love for us. Here is hope to die by in one of our tomorrows. Here's here's being able to look death in the face and say, I want to go to heaven now. And it means that when we struggle with sin... And we give in to temptation. And we convince ourselves that God, he must be running from us in disappointment, in disgust. The opposite is in fact true. We need to see clearly, when we sin, when we come to him in repentance, for forgiveness, he's the God of hope. He runs towards us. Arms wide, full of grace, rich in mercy, offering forgiveness, giving eternal life. So if you're trusting in Jesus to save you tonight, if your only hope is in Christ, when you fear in your sin that God is just waiting to punish you, you need to know this, that you have wrong and shriveled and miserly thoughts of the God who is really there. Because all who repent and trust in Jesus, your punishment has already fallen on Jesus at the cross. And so there's no more for you to take. 
There is forgiveness. There is his loving call to repent, to obey him, to live a godly life and to live in his eternal kingdom. Well, fourthly and lastly, the difference that this hope makes. So let's just recap. Hope comes from the God of hope who fills with all joy and peace that comes to us as we trust in him. But here's our last point. So that we overflow with hope. So that we overflow with hope. So there in verse 15. Have a look again. One last time. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Now, the idea of abounding in hope here is the idea of overflowing with hope. Now, to keep my children on their toes, and uh, if you know me, you'll know that, um, to be honest, I've struggled to mature over the years well. Um, So to keep my children on their toes, when they ask me to refill their water at the dinner table, um, I sometimes fill their glasses right up to the very brim. So the only way of drinking is, well, without spilling it, you can't do it. It's really childish, but it's a lot of fun. But imagine this, imagine. Imagine just carrying on pouring. And it spills out over the glass, goes all out over the table, spreads all around. Well, that is the image that's going on here in in this verse. Can you see that in verse, in verse 15? An image of hope. There's the God of hope. He fills believers with joy and peace. Only as they believe in, only as they trust in him. But he fills them with so much joy, so much peace, that hope spills out and it overflows. It spreads to people around them. Now, here is how the local church Forest Fold in Crowborough is the hope of the world. It's through Jesus' church that hope is dispensed, is packaged to our broken, hurting world in the power of the Holy Spirit. Our old pastor <clears throat> at our previous church uh, said of this verse, all Christians are dealers. Not dealers in dope, but dealers in hope. And it's kind of stuck in my mind. So Christians are dealers, not dealers in dope, dealers in hope. And here's why. Here's why on every continent, in every country, in every community, Jesus' church is so significant. Here's what is so exciting about walking out of that door this evening. Into our world. Christians, you go as dealers... Of hope. And you go into a broken world, into your homes, into your school, into your college, into your workplace, at your leisure, in your family. And this is what is so exciting about ministries, restarting up here after COVID in, in Forest Fold. Here's what is so exciting about your times together every Lord's Day. Christians are dealers of hope to our neighbours, to our communities. So here's a question to close with tonight. What are you dealing? What are you dealing to the world around you? I mean in practice. 
Not in theory what we should be, but in practice. Are you in practice dealing hope in the material good life? The material dream? Actually in practice just living for here and now with Jesus thrown in for eternal insurance? God forbid that we do that. If your heart's like my heart, I have a material world heart. I have to repent of daily. And it would be so easy to be dealing to people around just the kind of, for me, the Surrey good life, or here, the Sussex good life, the material dream. I still hope in Jesus to people around us. Let's Let's show to the world that Christ is enough for me. He's sufficient for me in my suffering and in my sin. Well, let's pray this prayer as we close. Let's pray. God of hope, do you fill us with joy and peace as we trust in you? That in our daily struggles and big life sufferings, we might trust you are near, with us and for us, for Jesus rose from the dead for us. And that in our sin, we might repent and trust. You are rich in mercy, you're ready to forgive, for Jesus died for our sin. So that people see in us that you are near, you're not distant in our suffering. You're ready to forgive, not punish in our sin. May we overflow with hope. May we deal hope to people around us. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing our closing song tonight. It's a song uh, about hope. And we're going to stand to sing, What is our hope in life and death? And it answers the question, Profoundly, let's stand and sing together.
Jesus, we thank you that because you rose from the dead, you beat death, you conquered the darkness, we thank you that today we have real hope. Christ, you are our hope in life and death. And we pray we'd live that hope this week. May you, the God of hope, fill us with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we may abound in hope this week. And Father, if any of us here feel beyond hope, that we've gone too far, that our sin is too deep and dark, that our brokenness is too broken, may we look to you tonight and know hope. We pray this for your glory and for our eternal blessing. And we pray this that the world around us this week in our schools and colleges and workplaces and homes and at leisure, people might see the hope of the gospel overflowing from our lives, our loves, our desires, our priorities, our our everything. Lord Jesus, you are sufficient. May we live as though you are. In Jesus' name, amen.